In uncertain days, it is important to remember that our world is getting ready to meet God. We are all getting ready to meet Him. The King is coming. Today, we join Scott Pauley in walking through the final book of the Bible, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Where in the world was Pergamos? Revelation chapter 2 and verse 12 says, Unto the angel of the church in Pergamos write. Well, geographically, we believe that Pergamos was situated in what we now refer to as Turkey. And um, ecclesiastically, as far as the religious world was concerned, it was positioned in one of the most wicked, vile places on planet Earth. In fact, he goes on to say, These things saith he that hath the sharp sword with two edges, I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seed is. That's pretty strong language. He doesn't just say the devil's at work where you are. He's saying you're actually living and laboring in the place that is close to the devil's throne. Remember, Satan has a kingdom. Uh, he has a, a spiritual hierarchy in this world. And obviously, where Pergamos was at the time was near the epicenter, uh, the, the heart of all that Satan was trying to do at that particular time. Maybe that's where you think you're living today, or maybe you think of a certain part of the world, and that's what... That's what you connect with. But the real problem with Pergamos was not where in the world it was. The real problem with Pergamos is that Pergamos had allowed the world to get into it. You see, the great struggle in churches is not where we are geographically or where we live culturally. No, the real problem is when we allow the world to infiltrate us. And the great issue with the church at Pergamos was that Pergamos had allowed the world to subtly creep in. People say, doesn't all this wickedness going on in the world bother you? Doesn't all this darkness around you trouble you? Yes, it does. But let me tell you what troubles me more. It is the darkness that subtly creeps into my own heart. It is the wickedness that creeps into my own thought life. How about you? You see, judgment must begin at the house of God. And that's why he says to this church in verse 13, I know thy works. And where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seed is, and thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days where an Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee. It's one thing for the church to talk about how bad things are in the world, but it is quite another for the church to begin to recognize the evil that is in the church. You see, if we're ever going to have a spiritual awakening in our generation. And if we're ever going to touch our nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we must begin by getting thoroughly right with God ourselves. The Lord doesn't tell the church at Pergamos, uh, work harder in Pergamos. He doesn't tell the church in Pergamos, uh, straighten out Satan's seat. He doesn't tell the church in Pergamos, uh, deal with all the cultural things around you. He says, no, I want to deal with the few things that are not right in you because when you get thoroughly right, then you can make the greatest difference in this world. He says, Because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed in the idols, and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate. 
So he identifies not many things, but literally a few things. He calls them by name. Don't you love how specific God gets? Now, maybe these specific things today are going to be the same things you're dealing with. Maybe the Holy Spirit is putting His finger on something else in your life specifically. But let me just say this. Whatever the Lord's speaking to you about, you better listen. Whatever God's dealing with you about, don't blame others. Don't make excuses. Don't compare yourself with those around you. Let the Lord show you the few things in your life that may need to be addressed today. There's a beautiful progression in this passage. He begins by pointing out what Pergamos had done right. And I love the fact that the Lord is always encouraging, always trying to build up. He said, I know you're in a hard place. And you have, in verse 13, held fast my name, and you have not denied my faith. So he says, here's what you have done, here's what you haven't done. And he commends them for that. In fact, they had people dying for the faith there. But here's the point. Did you know you could even die for the faith, but not be thoroughly right with the Lord? That you could have a martyr mentality but yet there be some things in your heart that need to be addressed. So we move from where they, where they lived and where they were serving uh, to where they were spiritually. And he points out these two specific things, the doctrine of Balaam and the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. It's fascinating to me he uses the word doctrine because the word doctrine means our beliefs and teachings. They had allowed some belief system to creep in, some teaching to begin to be espoused, that did not line up with the truth of God's Word. But when you start digging a little deeper, the doctrine of Balaam and the doctrine of the Nicolaitans actually, if you had to sum it up in a word, was worldliness. Remember I said the world had crept into the church at Pergamos? It was all worldliness. What was the doctrine of Balaam? The doctrine of Balaam uh, was Balaam took bribes. Do you remember his bribes? The doctrine of Balaam uh, was to eat things sacrificed to idols. The doctrine of Balaam was to commit fornication. So here is a man who's consumed with money, with sexual things, with his own lust, with what he can get, with worldliness. That's the doctrine of Balaam. There's about a dozen references to Balaam through Scripture, and they're, they're negative. They're not positive. Because the doctrine of Balaam is basically this world's way of thinking and this world's way of working. And then the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Uh, there's some... Uh, dispute about exactly what all that doctrine was, but based on what we find in Scripture, the references to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans is, again, it was worldliness. It was a worldly way of thinking and a worldly way of worshiping. Uh, one interesting thing, if you back up to the church at Ephesus, where we started in Re Revelation 2, he said there that he hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans that were there. You see, doctrine and deeds always go together. What you believe affects how you behave. And so the Lord says, we got to get the world out. Let's get these wrong things out. How do you do it? Revelation 2 verse 16, repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against thee with the sword of my mouth. So he takes them from where they are to where they're going to end up if they continue on that course. He literally says, I'm going to fight against you. I'm going to bring my sword. I'm going to speak against you. That's pretty rough, isn't it? In other words, if we don't respond the right way to His Word, then God's going to speak judgment into our lives. Uh, receive what God's trying to say to you in mercy. And then I love this. He ends on a positive note again. Verse 17, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saying, saving he that receiveth it. So he moves them from where they are, to where they're going to end up if they don't repent, to what He has for them, to where He wants them to be. 
He says, if you'll repent and obey what I'm telling you, I've got much more for you. He talks here about hidden manna. Remember all through Scripture, manna was representative of the Lord's daily provision. And day by day it fell. Oh, listen to me. Every day God has more for us to meet our needs. Great provision. God says, I have more for you. A white stone, there's purity. A new name, identification with the Lord. I'm telling you, God has so much more for His church if the church will get the world out and let the Lord have His way. You see, friend, you can't expect to have the Lord's blessings and the Lord's answers to prayer and the Lord's fullness if you're already full of the world. If you're full of flesh, you cannot be full of the Holy Spirit. So would you pray today that God would get everything out of you that the Lord doesn't want there, uh, this world out of you, so that then He can put everything into you He has prepared for you. This is a day for the church indeed to be in the world, but not of the world. By God's grace, let's get the world out of the church. The purpose of all Scripture is to see God. In Revelation, the curtain is pulled back and we are reminded not to simply look at world events, but to look to Christ. We hope you will join us next time as Scott Pauley continues our study through this amazing book of the Bible. You may also join us right now for additional studies and a library of helpful resources at enjoyingthejourney.org. You will find several new features at our online home and we trust they will be a blessing to you as you walk with God. Plan to visit us each day at enjoyingthejourney.org and we look forward to returning to Revelation on our next broadcast. Keep your eyes on Christ and look up. The King is coming.